You are listening to the Morning Breath Podcast. Please enjoy today's show, hosted by a pastor on staff here at East Coast Christian Center. That would be me. I guess I'm a pastor on staff here at East Coast Christian Center. I'm Mark Cook. So glad to be doing Morning Breath with you guys. That's my cue to start talking, and so I'm so glad you guys are here to listen. I hope you're out there listening to Morning Breath. It's a drive-time devotion, sure, to jumpstart your day. And I, we had a conversation not, not too long ago, and one of our pastors said, you know what, I feel like Morning Breath is uh, one of the most underrated resources that we have. Mm. Um, I, I feel like we don't—maybe we should talk about it more, I don't know, but it's incredible because if— People often talk about, you know, they're not sure how to start studying their Bible or how to start reading their Bible or how to start understanding it. And if I, if you said that to me and I said to you, well, how about this? Um, four days a week, you can grab a cup of coffee, sit down for half an hour with two pastors from your church, read a chapter of the Bible and just talk about it. Would that help you? I think everybody would say yes. And that's exactly what Morning Breath is. Uh, you may not be sitting in the room with us, but you can pull up the radio show or, or pull up the podcast and you can listen to Morning Breath and learn how to read your Bible and hear from God and, and just let it minister to you. Man, I, I hope you're, if you're listening, I'm preaching to the choir, but man, share that with a friend. You know, the next time you got a friend that's trying to learn how to read the Bible, man, tune them into Morning Breath. We're here to help you, man. And it's so good to just read a chapter. What we do is we read a chapter of the Bible. We read it the night before, read it the morning of. We come down here to the studios at East Coast Christian Center in Merritt Island. We read it on the air. Then we just talk about whatever God is showing us. And uh, we always do it with a, with a co-host. So I'm here today uh, with my favorite co-host, uh, Angela Cook, hey. a.k.a. Mama Ange. <laughs> yep. Glad you're here. Thanks. Yeah. You're my favorite co-host. Thanks. Am I yours? Yep. <laughs> I'm your only co-host. Yeah, I've done a couple with Yeah, that's right. You did, you did some, and it just wasn't as good, was it? Yeah. I get it. <laughs> so uh, yeah. we've got, we want you to get connected. Uh, so sure. tell them how. Yeah, get connected on the East Coast app or at eccc.us. That's three C's, one E. ECCC.us for info, events, past sermons, and morning breath episodes. You can also find East Coast Christian Center on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can call the church office at 321-452-1060, and we will email or mail you with more information about East Coast. Yeah, we can send you a morning breath guide if needed that way. But uh, by getting on those resources, you can find the morning breath guide and uh, know what chapter we're going to be in so you can read along with us. And it's also, also a way to connect. Yeah, find out all kinds. Whatever's happening at East Coast, we're going to have it on there. Yeah. Um, so you can find out, hey, here's what's going on. I want to be a part of that. And you just come jump in. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that's going on is uh, East Coast Christian University. We start a new class every month. And so we've got a new class starting for April uh, this coming Thursday. Classes meet on Thursday night as well as online. Um, but the great thing about starting a new class every month is you don't have to block a whole semester out of your life. If you want to get to Bible school, but you can only make it happen here and there, man, find the months that you can do it and come join us. Um, and you can go to, there's a website called eccuequipped.com, and that's the website for East Coast Christian University, and you can learn all about what's going on. The new class that's starting is called Basic Bible Doctrine. It's going to give you some foundational fundamentals about the Word of God. I think you're teaching that. I am teaching that <laughs> one. That's right. Yes, that'd be great. Um, also, on May 7th, next month, we're letting you know now so you can start planning ahead. There's a marriage night here at the church. If you were here a couple years ago, we had one. Lots of fun, laughter. Just a great night to just encourage your marriage. Yeah. Um, 
and just spend it's to, yeah, a date night, if nothing else. It's a great date night, yep. and, and it is a time. It's going to be encouraging. It's one of the things that's always been on Pastor Dan's heart, and I'm thankful for it, is that he doesn't—too many times, uh, maybe a guy won't come. He's like, I'm not going to go to that and be told what a lousy husband I am and how i got to get everything fixed. That's not what we're going to do. We're going to just give you encouragement about how to do marriage well. We're going to be hearing from people who've been married for a long time and just getting some good advice, but also having a lot of fun uh, and, and laughing a lot and just enjoying it. Man, just valuing marriage. So come on out, May 7th. We'd love to have you. Information on the website about that as well. We're in Hebrews chapter 6 today. Hebrews is my favorite book of the Bible. I'm so glad I get to, to be a part of Morning Breath and do, uh, do this book. And so we're going to get into Hebrews chapter 6. I'm reading in the New King James Version. I am reading from the Passion Paraphrase, or a.k.a. the Passion Translation. Yeah. I hesitantly do that because the majority of, I say this to you all, no condemnation to those who really love the Passion Translation, but it is a paraphrase. It is not a translation, and all of the big, you know, our doctrine, theology, the big names out there, whoever they are, <laughs> I don't follow a lot of uh, theology people, um, but they they do not attribute this as a translation. But I liked how it read. I think even as a paraphrase, it helps us understand things better. I wouldn't use this as my study Bible, but it definitely is a nice paraphrase. So I used it because I actually liked how this read in relation to the New King James Version better than the Holman Christian Standard did. Okay. So, and I think so I think it's fair to say, yeah. look, this is a tool that's out there. Exactly. Let's not misunderstand what it is. Exactly. But and let's use it. For, that's what we're explaining, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Hebrews chapter six, uh, I forgot to look at how many verses? Twenty. Twenty. So a split. My Bible has a nice split uh, right after eight and also right after twelve. Probably be fair to do it right after eight. Um, so do you want to read first? Okay, so you read the first eight. I'll pick it up in verse nine. Okay. All right, I say unto you, read, ma'am. Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection. The foundation has already been laid for us to build upon, turning away from our dead works to embrace faith in God, teaching about different baptisms, impartation of the laying of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So with God's enablement, we will move on to deeper truths. It is impossible to restore an apostate, for once a person has come into God's light and tasted the gifts of the heavenly realm and has received the Holy Spirit and feasted on the good word of God and has entered into the power of the age that is breaking in, if he abandons his faith, there is no use even trying to lead him to repentance. By their sin of apostasy, they recrucify the Son of God and have publicly repudiated him. For man's heart are, hearts are just like the soil that drinks up the showers which often fall upon it. Some soil will yield crops as God's blessing upon the field, but if the same field continues to produce only thorns and thistles, a curse hangs over it and it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, beloved, we are fully convinced that there are more beautiful and excellent things which flow from your salvation. For God, the faithful one, is not unfair. How can he forget the beautiful work you have done for him? He remembers the love you demonstrate as you continually, continually serve his beloved ones for the glory of his name. Uh, I verse, don't, 11, verse eleven. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was con I was determined to read all ten verses. Go. All right. So I'm <laughs> picking up in verse eleven. We desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself, saying, "Surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you." And so, after he had patiently endured. He obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. 
Thus, God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who hath fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, in which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Amen. So <laughs> some interesting stuff in this chapter. Um, it talks about the, the title in, in the New King James. It's put us little subtitles in different sections of the chapter. And the subtitle uh, of the first section of chapter 6 is called The Peril of Not Progressing. Um, and it's an interesting one because really we're called to grow. We're called to move forward, and we're called to to move into the deeper things of God, and so we're supposed to do that. There's a point in here, and I'm trying to remember. I think it was uh, it was yeah the, the previous chapter in chapter five. He says, "Look, if you're stuck on milk and you haven't moved on to solid food yet, that's a problem." Is basically how he you know closes uh, chapter five, and so that's when he moves on. Look, if you if you ha- are not moving forward. Um, you know, that's a problem. We need to be mature. That's the close of chapter five. And then he says in chapter six, therefore, leaving the discussion of elementary principles, let's go on. And so that's yeah. the, that's the you know, the pretext for what he's saying. But, it, but it's very interesting here. <clears throat> um, when it, people in chapter six and then later on chapter 10 in Hebrews uh, brings up an area where it makes people afraid that they could lose their salvation. Um, and so I want to I want to just address that and and put that to rest because um, it's not about making a mistake and now oh my gosh now you've lost your salvation oh you, uh, you sinned you're you're not saved anymore that that's not Jesus it says that he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified um, you're going to see that in, in in verse in chapter ten of Hebrews I'm getting ahead of myself but but that's important to understand because what chapter what this is talking about in chapter six. Um, a good example of this is some, someone who has walked, so we, could, we know of someone like that, someone who walked with Jesus, saw him do amazing things, saw him perform incredible miracles, heard him teach about the kingdom of God, and then threw it all away. In the Gospels, his name is Judas. Right. Right? He, he saw, he walked with Jesus for years saw the incredible things that Jesus did, saw that his ministry happen, an incredible ministry like there's never been before, um, and he, he threw that all away. And I don't say that to judge him, because anybody's capable of making that mistake, but the point is, he saw everything that the kingdom of God had to offer, and he walked away from it. It's talking about, it's talking about that, but it's also talking about something else, and I want to pull this out. This is important. It says, if they fall away. It says that in verse 6, if they fall away. What does that, what is falling away referring to? Paul talked about the idea of falling um, back in Galatians, and he said something very important. He said, those of you who, he he uses the term fallen from grace, and what he says is, those of you who are returning to the law, you have fallen from grace. The whole point of what the Hebrews author is saying is he's communicating to these Jewish believers and helping them to understand that Jesus has fulfilled the law, and now there's a new covenant. We'll see that explained more thoroughly in chapter 8 later this week, but there is a new covenant. And so if we don't walk in the new covenant, and we insist, and we insist on going back to the old covenant, then we're walking away from what Jesus has died to give us, and that is what it means to fall away. It doesn't mean to to have sin in your life and to struggle with something. The Holy Spirit will lead you out of those things if you're willing to follow him, but when you throw away grace and you choose religion in its place, 
that's falling away. Well, one thing I, one of the, just reading about the translations of these, some of the words in those verses, um, as you heard in this translation version, um, they paraphrase that apostasy. And so people can easily look up that word apostasy. And um, according to this writing, in Aramaic, it can be translated insulted the son of God. Well, if you keep reading a little bit, it says, by their sin of apostasy, they re-crucify the son of God and have publicly repudiated him. So basically, like what you're saying, if when you return to the law, you're returning to saying that what Jesus did isn't good enough. Yes. Because Jesus came to fulfill the law. That's good. And something that came to me just reading that section, actually, I started thinking, well, in the whole coming out of five and into six where we're talking about getting off the milk. Yeah. Well, the milk, I mean, sometimes I really think the milk is the law looking back. And I know sure. it, it maybe isn't translated no, that way, but if we want to look at it that way, even Jesus, when he was in his earthly ministry, was like, okay, here is the new covenant. Here is the new commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and love your neighbor yourself. All of the commandments hinge on these things. He was even saying, let's get off the milk. Yeah. You should not, you should know better. You should know you don't go sleep with your friend's wife. You should know that you don't hate your parents. You should know that you don't have, you don't, you know, we Steal have gone through kill, enough. Yeah. You don't idolize false gods. Like how much more do you have? How many more times do you have to do that before it becomes apostasy? Yeah. Because if you think about it, Pharaoh, perfect example, the Pharaoh was, he had his heart hardened. People are like, why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? Well, Pharaoh had several chances before the before his heart was hardened by God. Mm-hmm. He was hardening his own heart towards the things of God. Yeah. And so I think we get people get stuck. We get stuck in these things, like you said, being stuck in something where you're struggling getting out from bondage of sin is one thing. But kind of almost embracing turning back to thinking you can do it yourself. Yes. Yes. Judas thought he could do it himself. Judas thought he was going to be the thing that saved himself. And that's sad. Yeah. Um. And that's exactly what we're kind of talking about here. You can't do it yourself. And that's what end of story. The law. <laughs> the law will always lead you down the path of self righteousness. Yes. It's and it's always going to lead to condemnation. If if the law worked, we wouldn't need a new covenant. We'll see that again later on. I keep jumping around in the book of Hebrews, but the, you know, encapsulating this message. And here's something else: when you talk about falling away. Um, how can I? How can we justify this statement that it's returning to the returning to religion is what he's talking about? If you look at um, how, if you let's go back to the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant uh, contained it was it was a box, and inside the box, one of the things that it contained was the Ten Commandments, the stones that Moses was given with the law on it. That was in the box. Then the lid was placed on the box, and on top of the lid was the mercy seat where the spirit of God dwelled. Mm. The mercy seat is where our sins have been. Like Jesus sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat and forever purged our sins on the real mercy seat. The one on the Ark of the Covenant was a copy of what was in heaven. And so Jesus actually, the word of God says that he became our propitiation, which actually is the mercy seat. So the mercy seat, which is where we find grace, which is what's in the new covenant, is on top of the Ark of the Covenant, and the law is down below it, is down below it. So what does it mean? To go back to the law is to fall. You have to fall from grace to go back to the law, because grace is above the law. 
Grace is seated higher than the law because there's nothing higher than Jesus. His name is above every name. And so when the Bible, in this context here and in Galatians as examples, when it talks about falling from grace or falling away, you're talking about returning to the law. The law is lower. Religion is lower. Religion is lesser. It's a lesser thing. And so when we choose religion over the, the unmerited favor that God has given us through the finished work of his son, we're choosing the lesser thing. And like you said, Ange, that means that then we're, we're now having, if the law, if we are not allowing the law to be complete and fulfilled, then we always need another sacrifice. Well, Jesus is not going to get on the cross again. And so if you insist on going back to religion, that means you still need a sacrifice, and you're saying that Jesus wasn't enough, putting him again to an open shame. He's not going to do that. Well, that's where putting, making the sacrifice you. You choose to be the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. You, well, I can, that's I can kind of it. the mentality you have. Like, I can do this. So you're saying then you are willing to be your own sacrifice. Yeah. Like, nobody would be willing to hang on a cross for themselves even. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just not going to happen. And so, Yeah. So eventually, you know, that you've got to make that adjustment. If you go back, that's where you run into the problem, and that's the peril of not progressing. It's progressing out of religion and into grace, and it actually does require diligence to progress into that place because it seems like following rules is the right thing to do. It seems like we need to follow rules, we need to have all this structure, and, and, it, and you know, all that is going to help us to be more godly. What's going to help you to be more godly is to follow the Holy Spirit. Um, but that's a, that requires revelation you know, from him, for him to illuminate his word and to help us understand that truth, which is why we have the Bible. The whole New Testament of our Bible is designed to get us to understand that truth, that, we don't, that God is not calling us to follow laws. He's calling us to follow his spirit through faith in his Son. And you know what? Are, are, what are we saying? Well, so that we don't, we don't follow the law anymore? Uh, in the New Covenant, it, we'll see in chapter 8 that the law has actually been written on our hearts. It's not on stones anymore. So the, the, the Word of God is written on the hearts of men, and we know what's right and we know what's wrong, and what we're called to do is just follow the Holy Spirit, because if you follow the Holy Spirit, He will never, he will never lead you against the law. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something that is not God-ordained or that goes against what he has established to be righteous. And so if you just follow the Spirit, you're always going to be in the right place, and you don't have to worry about trying to follow laws. And so I love that he goes on in verse 9. This is, a, this is one of my favorite verses. He says, Beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you, hmm. things that accompany salvation. Um, and I love that, you know, grace, you know, that's what accompanies salvation. I just love that we're confident of better things, better because we're in a better covenant. It's based Based on better promises. And so I just love that, you know, when you get your mind on Jesus and when you get fixated on grace, man, you can be confident of better things. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, you know, I think the reason why we want to try to follow law and have all these rules is because we're bent. Everything around us, we've heard this talked about at church, is bent towards following rules or following processes, systems. I happen to be a very black and white system process follower. I liked to think I was like very spontaneous and enjoyed like adventures. And I still do, but I have to make, I have to have such a plan in place to enjoy that adventure. And I never realized how black and white I was. I love because verse 10 goes on to say, for those people who like to follow rules and who do follow, you know, this to me is kind of like almost um, freedom from having to think you have to follow laws. For God, the faith one is not unfair. How can he forget the beautiful work you have done for him? Mm. It's okay that you want to do work. It's okay that you want to work for Jesus, that you want to work for the kingdom. It's what you're 
motive is though. Yeah. Like we're not working to gain our salvation. And that's that's what I hear that's what I hear when I read this. God is the faithful one. How can he forget the beautiful work you have done for him? He remembers the love you demonstrate as you continually serve his beloved ones for the glory of his name. Mm. There's your motive for yes. the glory of his name. Yes. Um, and then it goes on, but we long to see you passionately advance in verse 11 until the end and you find your hope fulfilled. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised. And so looking at hope being fulfilled, we know in um, the Old Testament, I think in the Proverbs, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yeah. If all we're doing is sitting around hoping, you are going to grow sick. There has to be action to your hope. Yeah. And I think that this is what this is talking about that following the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of what their strong faith and patient endurance. There was work that had to be done in order to see hope fulfilled. Yeah, Jesus had to go through a huge work to see hope fulfilled. His the hope that the of the, the joy set before him was his hope about of us. For, for eternity. Yes. Um, and he had to go through a thing. He had to have action behind he had to have action behind his that that hope. And so following Jesus' example, I mean, God obviously made him a promise that he'd be with him at his right hand again if he would be right. the sacrifice. And then it talks about Abraham. Um, there was no one greater than himself. It says Abraham waited patiently in faith and it succeeded in seeing the promise fulfilled. How long did Abraham patiently wait? I mean, I don't know if you know the number, but years. for a long time, mm-hmm. it wasn't, you know, we read this and we're like, but Abraham's, his his promise came fulfilled. Where is my promise? Your promise is out there. Yeah. If it doesn't happen the second you have this hope, what's the action? What's the faith you need to put behind it? Sometimes you have this promise that something amazing is going to happen and um, you know it. And deep inside of you, you're like, there's something on the other side of this. And then as you move, I'll use our example with our kids doing homeschool. When you have faith that you have been called to home educate, and Mark and I were both history teachers in the public school system before we started homeschooling, so we weren't like adverse to schooling our children. We weren't adverse to sending them to school. We were teachers for crying out loud. But for some reason, we just felt like God was calling us to that thing. And we had to stand by that promise that there was something better on the other side of that. And that has been a tough struggle because there are days and weeks and months and years (laughs) that you really can't see the other side of that thing. And so there's those little promises that pop up here and there though, but this has been a 17 year process. Sure. And we finally have a couple kids taking dual enrollment classes and it's like, woohoo, we've, we've arrived to some, this first step, but we had to take that step of faith when they were five, believing that when they were 17, that we'd see some of that promise fulfilled. Yes. We had to just keep going. And Mark would say to me, you have everything that pertains to life and godliness. You can make it through this day when I would have to say I'm overwhelmed and I can't do this anymore. And um, so we have to... That's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. Faith and patience. There's always something attached to that. It's not just faith. It's faith and patience. We'll talk about it more in just a minute. You are listening to the Morning Breath Podcast from East Coast Christian Center. We will be back shortly after we thank our sponsors. At East Coast Christian Center, we are building a life-giving church that lasts. 
We are one church in many locations with campuses in Merritt Island, Vieira, Coco, and an online campus that you can attend from anywhere. Here at East Coast, we value each generation and work hard to ensure that no matter what age or stage of life you're in, there's a place for you in our family. You weren't meant to do life alone, so come and find your church home with us. You can plan your visit or get more information online at eccc.us. Barfield Contracting and Associates is a fully licensed and insured roofing and building contractor. They are located in Cocoa Village, but service all of Brevard County and surrounding communities. They also offer military and senior discounts and free estimates and appreciate every opportunity they are given. 321-454-4531. That's 321-454-4531. Barfield Contracting, treating you like family. Mark your calendars for Overlook Ministries' first concert fundraiser on April 30th. The event starts at 6 p.m. with food trucks, tours of their residential treatment house, and a concert that starts at 7, led by East Coast Christian Center's worship pastor, Chris Johnson. Come be a part of saving men's lives and restoring families. Mothers want their sons back, wives are missing their husbands, and children want their daddies home. Find more information and location of the event through Facebook by searching Overlook Ministries or you can go to www.overlookministries.com. Are you a young adult between the ages of 18 and 29 seeking community and an opportunity to press into the Word of God on a deeper level? Join us at Mezzanine Sunday nights at 7. Experience powerful and impacting messages alongside like-minded individuals that are passionate about pursuing the heart of God. Download the Mezzanine Church app or visit mezzanine.church to get plugged in. Hi, I'm Scott Langston. I'm a broker associate who has specialized in commercial real estate for the past 27 years. I sell real estate for Remax Elite. I give free broker price opinions to anyone selling real estate. If you are looking to buy or lease real estate, I will represent you at no cost to you. My phone number is 321-403-1111. My website is scottlangston.com. Go out and make it a great day. Pineapple Garden, assisted living facility located in Rockledge. Affordable care with daily activities and a friendly 24-hour staff, making sure you or your loved ones are safe and secure. Find them online at pineapplegarden.com. For over 30 years, CB Plumbing has been a family-owned and operated business that is dedicated and proud to serve the Brevard County community. CB Plumbing offers both drain and sewer line cleaning for commercial and residential. CB Plumbing for all your plumbing needs. 321-783-6000. That's 321-783-6000. Customer satisfaction is their guarantee. Welcome back to the Morning Breath Podcast. Lean in as the pastors finish the show with their final thoughts. We were talking about faith and patience, and that it's through faith and patience that we inherit promises. Sometimes we get caught up in the idea that it's by faith alone that we inherit promises. It's by faith alone, you know, that we receive the grace of God, faith in Christ Jesus. But inheriting promises also requires patience. It's faith and patience. And like you were saying, Ange, before the break, you know, sometimes we get caught up in wanting to know where it is right now. It's just the culture that we live in. We want everything quickly. Uh, but the kingdom of God operates by faith and patience. And we look and we see examples 
in the Bible and in our lives of people that we know who have inherited promises by faith and patience. And so I just want to encourage you today to stand firm, because it says in, in um, you were talking about hope, it says in verse 19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. The, the hope of God um, does not disappoint, it says in, in Romans, um, and it says that this is, we, we're, not, we're not hoping for what we do not have, right? We, we have this hope as an anchor of the soul, as, an, as the thing that anchors our mind, will, and emotions to the kingdom of God, surely and steadfastly, so that we can stand in faith and in patience for as long as we need to, knowing that Jesus has accomplished a finished work. Yes. Guess what this verse says? Our anchor of hope is fastened to the mercy seat in the heavenly realm mm. beyond the sacred threshold. <laughs> Tie it back to what you said fastened earlier. Fastened to the mercy seat, man. The mercy seat is where Jesus not only took his blood, but in some translations, it seems like he became the mercy seat itself. He, he is the the thing that captures the mercy of God and extends to us unmerited favor called grace. So don't go back. Don't fall away. Ten Commandments are below that. Stay on the mercy seat. It's where Jesus is. Mm. Have a good day. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Morning Breath podcast. If you did, we would love for you to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend. To follow along with our daily chapter list and for quick access to East Coast podcasts, events, and more, download the East Coast app. It's the best way to stay connected with everything East Coast. We would also love for you to join our online community. Just search for East Coast Christian Center on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening to the Morning Breath Podcast.